Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Rev. Todd Laddick, and today I'm bringing you part three of a four-part series entitled Courageous, with today's specific message entitled Courage to be Last, based off of Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. So let us dive into the Word today. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Amen. Sometimes we are courageous for our own sake and to achieve our own comfort. But how can we be courageous for the sake of others and their well-being? In uh, the message that I delivered, uh, which is the same message basically that I delivered in church today, um, I opened up with a clip from... uh, the Dark Knight, and it actually uh, turned out to be the the actual ending clip. But the movie that I started off with, as I said, is from the 2008 film The Dark Knight, which was written and directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Christian Bale as Batman, Heath Ledger as uh, in his iconic performance as the Joker, Gary Oldman uh, as Commissioner James Gordon and Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent Two-Face. And again, it was the ending scene that I showed the congregation in the movie. Uh, So before I get to that scene, let me catch you up. The Joker had been spending the entire movie trying to sow seeds of discord and chaos throughout Gotham City. Turning the entire city against itself. He turned the mob bosses against each other, the politicians against each other, and in a very disturbing scene, he even pitted the citizens of, uh, of Gotham against each other as he forced them to choose between blowing up a ship full of prisoners or doing nothing, which would result in their own ship blowing up, and he gave the same choice to the prisoners. Now, for those of you who might not have seen the film, though it's hard to believe, I'm imagining most people have seen it, but for those of you who might not have seen it, you might be wondering why. Why would the Joker do that? Why would the Joker go to all of those lengths to do that? When Bruce Wayne was wondering why the Joker would blow up and burn a ton of money as if it mattered nothing to him, Alfred rightly explained to him, some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. 
They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. The Joker, confirming Alfred's insight, even went so far as to label himself as an agent of chaos. Anyway, to make a two and a half hour movie much shorter, that is exactly who the Joker was, and his final act, his final act of chaos, was to make the Batman and Commissioner Gordon choose between saving the DA, the district attorney, Harvey Dent, or Dent's fiance, Rachel Dawes, who Batman slash Bruce Wayne had a relationship with much, much earlier on. In the end, uh, Batman went to go save uh, Rachel Dawes, and uh, Commissioner Gordon tried to save Harvey Dent, but but secretly, uh, the the Joker had hinted that that each person was going to be at a certain location, but he actually, when he told Batman and he told uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon, he switched the location so that Batman actually showed up and rescued Harvey Dent, and Commissioner Gordon showed up and tried to rescue Rachel Dawes, but didn't get there in time, and the building blew up and she died. So in the end, they ended up, even though they tried to rescue both, they ended up only rescuing and saving Harvey Dent, but not before his entire face was disfigured in the explosion, which caused Dent to go on a rampage. Not that his face was disfigured, but that the one person he loved was unjustly taken away from him and there was nothing he could do about it. The law couldn't prove anything and it couldn't even get its hands on the Joker. And in self-pity and in rage and in grief, Harvey Dent went on a rampage killing people and and kidnapping people and just really going against everything that, that he had built his reputation up to be. Effectively bringing down a white knight of a district attorney who had spent his entire career going after the bad guys and bringing them to justice. Someone whom the people of Gotham put their hope in as a hero. And that was the whole point of what the Joker was trying to do. In the scene that we watched in church, Batman chose to take on the guilt of Dent. And we see this back and forth between between uh, Commissioner Gordon and Batman. And Commissioner Gar- Gordon is lamenting that, that Harry Dent turned to that dark side and, and, and did the things that he did because now that image would forever be shattered. But Batman said, no, no, I'll take the blame. I'll take the guilt of Harry Dent. Uh, of course, uh, Harry Dent at that point had been killed uh as he was trying to uh, hold uh, Commissioner Gordon's son hostage. And so, in order to keep the people of Gotham's faith restored, Batman took the blame. And Commissioner Gordon kept what, what 
uh, Harvey didn't dent it as a secret and blamed it on Batman. And so Batman was hunted and outlawed as a result so that the Joker wouldn't win in his diabolical plan to kill goodness and hope. Harvey Dent, though in the end didn't deserve to be seen as a hero, he went down as a hero because Batman knew the good that was in his heart, knew the circumstances that caused him to change, and knew that he, though he was the hero, he wasn't the hero that Gotham needed. He was the hero that Gotham deserved, but he wasn't the hero that they needed at that moment. There are points in life where there are clear um, it's not about me moments. Some people's lives are centered around these moments. When you think of firefighters putting their lives at risk each day to save others or an, ombuds, an ombudsman uh, in a nursing home whose purpose is to make sure the needs of patients are being met and they're getting the proper care they deserve. And then there are moments in our lives when we get the opportunity to put others before us to show mercy and compassion. Those moments arise sometimes in a parking lot or on the job or in the wake of rising oppression. Sometimes it's in our own families or communities. I was struck as I watched the, the inauguration of Joe Biden on uh, Wednesday, uh, uh, Wednesday the uh, 20th. And in that inauguration, one thing became clear. The inauguration, though it, it was Joe Biden's day, just like every president who's inaugurated, that's their day, the day they go to balls and the day that they're celebrated and the day that they're celebrating their victory and, and entering into this prestigious office as the most powerful man in the free world. One thing that became clear when I was watching the inauguration was that it wasn't about Joe Biden. It was about the American people. And in fact, the concert that was held to celebrate the inauguration was called Celebrating America, and all of the stories that were told were not Joe Biden's stories. They were America's stories, stories about nurses, about UPS drivers, about um, doctors, about frontline workers such as cashiers. It was about all of the people across America who had been doing what they could to put others before themselves during a time of crisis and pandemic. What an amazing image and message that sent. In our scripture today, we learn a few things. First, there is joy in living and loving as a Christian, as Paul shows in verse 2. 
throughout minish throughout Christ's ministry, he was constantly making it his business to see the overlooked, to show mercy and compassion to the outcast and downtrodden, to break the social norms and even religious laws just to love, heal, and save people. Paul says to us in this text that there is an unspeakable joy that comes with living like Jesus. When we push past the pressures of society and the busyness of life and take time to actually see people and to show them some genuine compassion, when we choose not to be afraid to stand up for people to celebrate others, there is a true joy that comes with that. Second, and this is extremely important in today's time, it's really not about us. Paul stresses in verse 3 the importance of doing for others, but making sure that when we do, that it's not about us. So often people give money, do community service, help others for personal gain. There may even be times in our own lives when we have been guilty of helping someone else or standing up for someone else so we can get noticed or perhaps some sort of pat on the back. But Paul reminds us of the challenge to be blessed by serving with humility, to regard others as better than ourselves. Finally, in verse 5, Paul reminds us you must have the same attitude or mind that Christ Jesus had. Verses 7 through 11 go on to explain that Christ was so humble and so committed to serving others that he took on human form and was obedient to the point of death on a cross, and because of this, God highly exalted him. Christ's relationship with God deepened and Christ found even more favor in the Creator's eyes because all that He did was for the good of others and brought glory to God, our Maker. Of course, Jesus was God in the flesh, but that's beside the point because He took on human form and lived as we ought to live. This is a mindset that we should all aspire to have, to serve with joy and humility, to have the mind of Christ that boldly stands up for others, the mind that has the courage to speak up and show compassion and mercy, the mind that seeks out and sees the overlooked, this is the mind of the Christ, the mindset that brings glory to God. So, what is God calling you to do upon hearing his word? Who are you to serve or to stand up for? Or, 
Is this scripture admonishing you to self-evaluate how you're serving? To ensure that you're doing so with humility and joy and with the mind, the mind, the mindset of Christ. There is room for all of us to grow in the way God, through Paul, calls Christians to live. And there is room for all of us to be blessed, both by serving and thereby deepening our relationship with God. So let us begin to discern how God is calling us to serve, to love, to reach out. And let us pray for the mind of Christ as we do so. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, Give us the mind of Christ. Remind us that we are to have the same attitude, the same mindset of Christ, so that we may serve others before self. That's not to say serve others and disserve self or not serve self. We are to take care of ourselves, Lord, and to to show ourselves um, self-care and self-love, but not at the cost of serving others. Help us to put others before ourselves so that we may truly have the mindset of Christ and we may truly know that all people are loved equally by you, just as much as we are loved, so everyone else is loved as well. Allow us to be your witnesses to this great equitable love. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Friends, thank you for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Um, I'm honored that you listen to this, and I hope that you get something out of it, that you're inspired, encouraged, and challenged to grow in your faith. As always, if this is your Sunday worship, so to speak, if this is your your spiritual fulfillment, uh, filling uh, for the week, uh, uh, you know, feel free if you can, and feel the call to 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 support uh, First United Methodist Church of Newton, the community that I serve. Um, the links are below in the in the uh, episode notes. Um, again, churches have been struggling. Our church, along with others, have been struggling uh, during this pandemic, and every bit counts. And uh, your your giving, your generosity, will go to help uh, those who are in need, so that the overlooked are not overlooked, so that the people who are down and out are given love and care and attention as they need to be. Um, Much ministry and good things have come uh, from our church and other churches during this time of pandemic, and it's your generosity that allows that to be a reality. If this is supplemental to you and you attend another church, then by all means give to them. They need it as much, if not more, than we do. So uh, regardless, it is a good thing for us to give and to support the community of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ. With that said, friends, remember you are richly blessed so that you may be a blessing to others. Amen. Go in peace.